Welcome to No Compromise Radio, a ministry coming to you from Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. No Compromise Radio is a program dedicated to the ongoing proclamation of Jesus Christ. Based on the theme in Galatians 2, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul said, But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. In short, if you like smooth, watered-down words to make you simply feel good, this show isn't for you. By purpose, we are first biblical but we can also be controversial. Stay tuned for the next 25 minutes as we're called by the divine trumpet to summon the troops for the honor and glory of her king. Here's our host, Pastor Mike Abendroth. Welcome to No Compromise Radio Ministry. My name is Mike Abendroth. Pradeep is in the studio again today. Pradeep, if I croak or something, fall over dead, I think the baton of No Compromise Radio can just be passed on to you now. You're a pro at this. This is show three for you. All right. right. We started with one. (laughs) Pradeep, tell us a little bit, for those that missed the last two Wednesdays, who are you and uh, what are your passions and uh, uh, drives in gospel ministry? And just give us a little background. Yeah, My name is Pradeep Tilak. I serve here as an elder with uh, Pastor Mike Abendroth. I'm one of those uh, men like Timothy that Pastor Mike has uh, trained. And I studied at uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, did my uh, doctorate on apologetics, and uh, I love serving the local church. I think it's a great privilege and a great joy uh, to have, uh, to be able to be an under-shepherd under Christ here while we wait for his return. How long have you been an elder now? How many Um, years? I believe it's 2006. Okay, coming up on 10 years. I Don't count me on this. My... My dates are very bad. I try to remember that for church history, but not really for my own life. If you'd like to listen to Pradeep preach, uh, you can go to bbcchurch.org. He preaches here sometimes, does the IBS classes, the Institute for Biblical Studies, has taught, in, has taught systematic theology and all kinds of other classes. And Pradeep, one of the things we try to do here at the church, since there's only one pulpit and there are many needs outside the church, is we have a pulpit supply ministry that you lead. Tell our listeners a little bit about the pulpit supply ministry and why we do it and how the Lord has used it. Yes, so uh, living here in the New England area, we have uh, several churches where there is uh, a pastor with no supporting elders or supporting elders who are not yet able to teach. And so when the pastor needs to go on vacation or when they are ill, um, there is a sudden need for preaching in that congregation when uh, when they are away. And given that there are so few churches around, and many of these churches are very small, um, since I believe 2005, I have been involved in the pulpit supply ministry. I think uh, Cape Cod Bible Church was the first one where I preached. And uh, at that time, they were between pastors, so they were waiting for a pastor to come. And so me and a couple of men would go there and preach. And today, uh, I serve as the elder for the pulpit supply here. We have uh, Eric Johansson, the deacon, and he uh, coordinates with the men at BBC to go and serve as the need arises. If you live here uh, in Massachusetts, or maybe southern Vermont, or southern New Hampshire, or northern Connecticut, uh, we would love to be able to serve you. You can write us at info at nocompromiseradio.com if you want a man to come and preach a verse-by-verse exposition on a Sunday. Uh, We would love to serve you that way. Pradeep, I love the ministry because it serves 
Christ body here universally in New England, but it also gives you men opportunity to preach because how do you learn how to preach unless it's really on a Sunday morning? Amen. So I, I watch these men and off they go. Probably on any given Sunday, two or three of our men are going to different churches to preach. How many times do you think you've preached outside of BBC on a Sunday morning? That's probably more than a hundred times. I think. <laughs> See, I, yes. And so I have done things so poorly in so many areas of my life. And then the good news is God is sovereign in that. And I say to myself, well, then the next generation are the people that I can influence. I don't want them to make the same mistakes. And I think I had preached maybe, I don't know, pretty 10 times on a Sunday morning before I became a preaching pastor. I mean, I had done a lot of Bible studies throughout the years and taught every week at the home group and stuff like that. But Sunday morning's different, isn't it? Definitely. And so if I would have preached a hundred sermons before I became a pastor, then there probably would have been revival at Bethlehem Baptist Church at the time. That already is. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Jim George once told me, you don't know how to preach until you've preached a hundred sermons. And what he meant by that was, you know, there are certain routines and and uh, ways you go about things, and you 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 begin to step on the same uh, pathway uh, as you would walk across the field of preaching, and you would wear it down. And it would be a an old path, a, a well known path, and so you hit the number on the head, pretty one hundred. I had no idea. <laughs> What's the strangest thing that ever happened to you when you went to a different church? Because some are not uh, Master Seminary related or Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary related. They're just churches that call, maybe congregational, maybe charismatic, and we'd like to have a, a pulpit supply preacher. What's the strangest thing that ever happened to you at one of these things? Um, you know, just before I answer that, every time I go, I try to because I don't know where the congregation is. Are these believers? Are these, you know, where are they theologically? So I, I pick something that is a strong, hard passage. I normally use First John, and I preach it with with the authority of the God of God's word. And then I meet with the people and try to be gracious in terms of engaging with them, depending on where they are. But I think the most exciting one was I think somewhere on the North Shore. I went up there and uh, I found out at the last minute there was it was only going to be a 20 minute sermon and so not by your choice no not by my choice and so i said okay i can do this so i ha i had a text that i would, and that i had prepared and then uh, when the 20 minutes came up um i looked up at the person who had to make the decision and he was like thumbs up keep going and I looked around the church and I said, I've got the permission to continue. And it went on for another 20 minutes. Oh, that is a great story. Pretty. when I get asked to go preach someplace else, I think even once when I was in India and a mainline Methodist church asked me to preach. And Chris Williams said, yes, you should go preach. And, and they need the gospel. I remember preaching Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. I have good news and I have, I have bad news. And I have good news. And, uh, they said, well, the sermons are about 20 minutes, because I would always ask, about how long does the regular pastor preach? Oh, about 20 minutes. And so this is my standard line. Feel free to lift it if you'd like. If I can keep their attention um, longer than 20 minutes, could I go uh, uh, just a little bit longer? And then they, they usually say, yeah, okay. And then somehow I always think I can keep their attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and you know, Pastor Mike, if I can just borrow that, um, some of the churches are not used to seeing the Word of God exposited the way it ought to, in bringing out the meaning as authoritative from God Himself and preached with a passion that these are very lives 
hanging upon these words. And I think you're right. When you go to a new church, a place especially which hasn't had expository preaching, um, people get excited, uh, you know, if there are believers here or they get convicted. Pradeep, I think you would agree with me. One of my all-time favorite comments that I receive after I preach I mean, I, I don't need people to say thank you or that was great or something like that. But one I still love to hear, uh, not just in my flesh, but also, you know, I think in a, for a godly reason. Fred, the other day I preached uh, my introduction to Hebrews part one, and we were just going through why this is such an exciting book. And it's a book of encouragement and exhortation. It's Christ-centered. It shows the high priest, Jesus Christ. And Fred, uh, I think he's probably getting close to 80 now. Dear guy's been here for the last 18 years, even longer. I haven't been able to run him out yet. I just seen Fred and his wife, Maxine, learn and grow and their servants. And he said, I, I looked down at my watch and couldn't believe the 50 minutes went by so fast. Now that to me, I wasn't thinking because I'm such a great preacher, but because when you do go verse by verse, and when you have people in the congregation that are engaged and trying to pay attention, doesn't it go by fast? Don't you love to hear that from people? That 50 minutes went by so fast. Amen. Oh, by the way, does Fred still get up on our roofs? He's not allowed to anymore. Okay. I've had to give him... I, I Seriously, I don't like to throw my proverbial weight around, but I have to say to people sometimes, I mean, can you imagine a pastor having to say... Uh, to this dear saint, stop climbing on the roof, fixing the the roof. You know, you're too old for that. <laughs> and that's a good question for those that are listening to the show today. Uh, does your pastor have to beg uh, and uh, plead with you to serve and to have some gospel ministry? Or should he tell you to slow down a little bit? That's a good barometer. Amen. Pradeep, I know you love uh, and consider the, the calling of being a, a, a under shepherd, a, a high calling. Tell me what gives you the most encouragement as an elder? And then after that, I'm going to ask you, what breaks your heart the most as an elder? So let's start with a positive one first, serving the Lord's people in a local church. What's the greatest joy about that? Um, before I answer that, I want to just say something that happened to my life. You know, when I was saved, I came to know the Lord. When I came here to BBC, I understood the power of God's Word in that impacts my life when we submit to it and how we look at God's word as pure and unadulterated. We don't bring in things into it, but we let the word of God change us. And so uh, having experienced this power of God's word in a, in a dynamic way after coming here, I realized that as an elder, my calling is to bring God's word to the people of God. So the people of God can see how the word of God bears upon their lives in very direct ways and how they can respond to God by listening to the word and submitting to it. So in the, the thing that gives me the greatest joy is when I can see uh, my brothers and sisters here with their eyes open up and say, I, I, I get it. I see what, this, what, I, what God expects of me in this particular circumstance. The last few weeks I've been meeting with a brother and... Uh, when when we just bring the word of God to bear upon this particular circumstance, it becomes like, wow, I get it. I, I know what God wants me to do. I don't have the ability to do it. I need to rely upon God's power to do it, but I, but I get it. And so uh, in this particular circumstance, I'm looking forward to seeing three months, six months down the road to see how the word of God changes people's lives. And it's, it's a, I think it's a great honor to be 
part of God's work in his people's lives and get to see the fruit uh, as it happens. There are times as elders we are sad because of what sin does in and through people and concerned about it. And I'm sure you've had plenty of sleepless nights as people uh, get enslaved to sin, we all uh, in, ensnared in sin. And then, of course, we have our own sin to deal with, so that makes it even more complicated. But what breaks your heart as an elder? What's well, Let's to put it biblically, uh, Hebrews 13 talks about uh, giving... Uh, your elders joy uh, what what what's the opposite for you what what do what do sheep do that just breaks your heart and, and makes you sad you know in the church um, at least on this side of eternity we don't expect um, perfection we don't expect sin to not be here and each of us and myself foremost uh, I have things in my mind that I hold on to Pradeep's thoughts versus God's thoughts and so when we, when I meet people, I I can just think of a few uh, right now as I'm speaking, where they know what God's word says, and they would not submit to it, knowing fully well the consequences, both temporally and eternally. Um, I often ask myself, you know, is this person truly a believer? Uh, and I would ask them that, you know examine yourself to make sure you're standing in the faith and um and uh, some of the consequences that i that we have to live with you know i personally don't get terribly hurt if someone is upset with me in i have a very thick skin i it hurts but doesn't bother me as much but when i see families ruined when i see men walking down a path to destruction um i know as a believer if they are a believer the lord will still save them as through fire but um, when they could be enjoying the goodness of God in its immensity and instead be stuck upon their own thinking and say, no, I will choose not to submit to God. I think that's, uh, that's terrible. Mm. Talking to Pradeep today on No Compromise Radio. I don't know if I've ever had a guest on three weeks in a row. So thank you for that love gift before the show. I appreciate it. Uh, Pradeep, let's talk a little bit more about local ministry and uh, how we go about things. Uh, Let's say counseling, for instance. How would you encourage lay people in in their local church? Because we've got listeners across the country, and and, uh, I think we've got some listeners overseas as well. How can they use the Word of God to help other believers? In other words, sometimes we think, well, I've got to meet with the pastor, I've got to meet with the elders, uh, I need wise counsel. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But aren't we equipped with the Word of God as lay people uh, to give the Word, to admonish one another as Romans 15 talks about how could you encourage some of the folks to uh, when they when they hear a sister or a brother who's struggling to say you know what Uh, here's my approach and here's how i can love you uh, with the word of god without you know banging romans 8 28 over their head in the midst of a funeral kind of thing Hmm. um you're right pastor mike i think ephesians 4 when it talks about um, the gifts to the church and uh men like you and I and the elders and pastors in the churches equip the saints with understanding the Word of God and how it ought to be lived out. Now, when we um, talk about counseling, as I said in to the earlier question, what is it that we rely upon in terms of 
ministering to someone in need. Um, we believe that the Bible is all-sufficient, and to the degree that we understand the Word of God, we are able to help the person walking through those trials. And I think when I think of uh, counseling someone who is uh, struggling in sin, I think of uh, Galatians 6, the beginning part of it, um, where you look at how um, a, a brother is in need and your love for this brother would make you go and reach out to that person and drag them out of the trouble that they are in. And now, uh, if I were to say it is just my experience, a similar experience that I need in order to help that person, then, you know, I'd be cut out from 90% of the church. You know, I, I uh, left as part of a layoff, uh, this company that I was working with for 20, nearly 20 years. Now, if... I said I needed to be laid off before I can counsel someone else, then, you know, I would have never been able to speak to any of the other people who were struggling trying to find a job. But on the other hand, when we look at it as, you know, there are some biblical principles about who God is. He is the God who provides. I know that fully well. He has provided in a lot of different areas in my life, even before I went through a layoff. I understand the uh, heart that is struggling in the times of uh, change, when you do not see with your physical eyes what you ought to be able to trust with the eyes of faith. And these are things that I think any believer can come alongside and help. If someone is struggling in a particular sin, you go to the Word of God and say, what does the Word say about this sin and how can I help this person recognize the danger that they are in and what ought they to do? What would I do for myself if I were in that circumstance? And you just communicate the Word of God in love to the person in need. So many people <clears throat> these days get downsized or laid off. Uh, rare is the 1950s man or woman who worked for a company for 35 years and they never had to change positions and then they get a pension and uh, they retire. Pradeep, what went through your mind as you were going to get downsized? We had many almost throughout the years where you almost got downsized. How did you work through this biblically so others who can who will go through, maybe are, who are going through, downsizing now. What's the strategy? How do you capture your thoughts so they don't run off uh, with worry and fret and fear? Because maybe inside you struggle with it more than you show on the outside, but we know each other well, and I don't see you full of anxiousness and fret and fear. How, what's the strategy for that so other people can glean from, from that? You, you put it very well, Pastor Mike, about the battlefield of the mind. Uh, let, me, let me say this. The layoff is the best thing that has happened to me because it is in God's sovereign plan. When we recognize who God is, uh, when our mind is fixed upon the nature of the God that we serve, and the thing is, you know, you can't wait until you're in a layoff to figure out, you know, you're going to trust God. You want to be reading God's word understanding his nature, growing and building up your trust in him as it comes from the word of God. So when I was, uh, our company since actually 2002 has been going through layoffs. And in the early days, it was, you know, you have questions that came up. It's like, you know, what is my self-worth based upon the work that I do? And if I am let go, does that mean I'm no longer valued? And then you look at God's word and say, no, my value comes in my relationship to my heavenly father. It is God who gives me value. It is God who provides for me. It is in God I trust, not in the dollar bill. And so the last few years, it was very freeing because I knew this day was going to come. 
uh, because we are in a more expensive part of the business unit. And uh, so I volunteered. I told my, I remember telling my boss. <laughs> <laughs> so I volunteered. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, Pastor Bart, it is, <laughs> it's actually harder <clears throat> to let go someone than to be let go. So I remember telling my boss, um, you know, he's a great guy, John. And um, I tell him the gospel and I tell him, you know, this is, I trust in the Lord. When your time comes to decide, don't hesitate. I'll gladly move on because that's God's time for me. And I remember having the conversation before we left. And we want to honor God in the up times as well as in the down times. And I think I've told you off the show, this has been one of the best times in terms of witnessing to Christ and also learning what are those things in my life that I still need to trust God even more. You know, what are those areas in my life the Lord is sanctifying me? My mind is used to thinking things in a certain way. And now uh, I look at it, you know, Pradeep, you've been over-efficient in a few things. You know, you need to kind of think differently. Um, and so when you, uh, but, but when you get discouraged, when you get down, you need to remember um, your mind needs to fix upon the one solid ground that never changes. <clears throat> Pradeep, I don't like it when I worry, but I have to admit that I have anxious thoughts and, and I worry sometimes. Maybe I worry a lot. I, I think if my mother would say about people who worry, you're a worry wart. So, and then they have kids songs, fundamentalist kids songs, the worry wart hog. I just, I'm just talking out loud now. Jesus said in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, when you worry, go outside and look at the birds. Mm. You know, take a walk, go look at the birds, take a look at the flowers. And what you were saying earlier about if my self-worth is my job, you know, what do we do in society today? In the Western world, maybe in the Eastern world as well. What's your name and what do you do for work, right? That's how we put people in boxes and think through. And so for ourselves, all right, well, okay, I'm worried. What's going to happen? Well, God's taking care of those birds, and God's the creator of the birds, but he's my father. What father doesn't take care of his children's needs? You know, we were just were watching that Sinclair Ferguson uh, message about assurance of salvation and how great the father is. And if I'm an okay father, yet sinful, God the father is a wonderful and holy father, and I just need, need to get out once in a while and take a walk. That's, that's the new therapy is walking and bird watching. I thought that was only for older people. <laughs> yeah, read the Bible and then go out and walk. <laughs> well, can you imagine? Yeah. What do I do instead? Well, I can be on my iPad sitting inside. And, and uh, I think I just need to go outside and just take a look at a few birds. Actually, if I may say, add on to this. You know, uh, our lives are so busy. You know, we have a lot of agendas that we want to accomplish. And um, it is helpful to just, when you read the word, to just meditate on it. And like even this passage, you know, watching the birds. Uh, and I think our in our culture, that is a, I don't know if I want to use therapy, but it is one of those things that I think is essential in terms of our relationship with God. It, you know, sometimes I, I'm guilty of this. Uh, I used to listen, you know, two plus hours of lectures on different subjects as I'm trying to keep myself um, informed. But then, you know, there's a lot of cerebral stuff, but we need to actually cogitate, let the Spirit of God engage with us, change us. And so I'm, again, thankful for this layoff because now I've got time. 
Well, and even the little things like spending time with your kids and being a chauffeur to them and making sure that you're there at the games and all these other things. Pradeep, how about, as we need to kind of wrap this up a little bit, Jay Adams once said that if you've been laid off, make it your full-time job to look for a job. In other words, be busy and send out the resumes, make the phone calls, be productive, serve at a local church, because if if God has made you to be a worker, then if you sit around, it's only going to compound the problem. You'll have no job and you'll feel bad because you're you're not working. What's your strategy for... Uh, your time now when you don't have a job. Yeah, actually, that's a very important point because I think when you get laid off or you you move away from something that was structured in your life, you can tend to kind of get floaty. And um, I, you know, I wake up early in the morning, I have my devotion, I do a little workout, I drop my kids, and then I have a list of 10 things I need to do. You know, I'm applying for, uh, I have a list of jobs I have to finish applying for by this week. So each day I spend three to four hours on each application. So I get maybe two applications a day and then, um, and then focus on other things. So, you know, I, I, now that I'm not driving, I have extra time. So I actually end up reading some theological works, some philosophical works for my subject for apologetics. And so it's actually, and then spend time praying for those in your lives. There are aspects in my life that I, I think were, marginalized, not prioritized as much. And this is a good time for me to uh, examine, you know, here are areas in my life I need to focus on spiritually and even physically. And um, uh, when you have, a, I am still working on it because I don't think I've settled on a routine as yet. But um, if someone, uh, I think to begin by thinking about here is my job between jobs, and that is to find a job. Mm. I think that's helpful. Great advice. If you want to go to Amazon, listeners, and pick up uh, Pradeep's dissertation, Worldview Apologetics, you can do that. I do want to say, though, it's not a popular uh, book. It's not That is to say, it's not written at a, at a layperson's level. It's a PhD dissertation. But I'm kind of, you know, watching Pradeep wanting to write some more at a popular level. And so you're going to see uh, some, uh, hopefully some of his books come out. That would be great. Pradeep, thanks for your ministry here at Bethlehem Bible Church. Thanks for your friendship, co-laborer in Christ Jesus, and uh, praise the Lord for you. Thank you for having me. No Compromise Radio with Pastor Mike Abendroth is a production of Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. Bethlehem Bible Church is a Bible-teaching church firmly committed to unleashing the life-transforming power of God's Word through verse-by-verse exposition of the sacred text. Please come and join us. Our service times are Sunday morning at 1015 and in the evening at 6. We're right on Route 110 in West Boylston. You can check us out online at bbcchurch.org or by phone at 508 835 Three four hundred. The thoughts and opinions expressed on No Compromise Radio do not necessarily reflect those of WVNE, its staff, or management.